This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Trescott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 91 with Kara Fasson. I have so much regret and remorse and anxiety around whether I am saying her last name right. Is it Fasson? Fasson? I'm sorry, Kara. The reality is the more I try to say it, the more I feel like I'm saying it wrong, so I'm going to give up. I'm just going to give up and tell you that I am so excited that we are back. I feel like it's no longer just me. February was a challenge where I did one episode a day answering a question from my breakup word workbook, and we have shelved that. The challenge is complete, and there was a real shift for me. If you followed along with the challenge and you did it yourself, I hope that there was a dramatic shift for you as well. Even if it's a subtle shift, I really believe in the subtleties in life being the most transformative. So if you went along with it, went along with me, I am dying to hear about your experience. Email me at chelseaatbreakupward.com to tell me a bit about it. What I can say from my conversation with Kara is that it really had me kind of walking away and saying, oh my God, I have the most likable people come onto my podcast. That really was the feeling. Kara is extremely likable. She's solid. Not only that, she's someone I feel like I'm not enough of. And I I say that meaning that I admire her talent and I'll expound upon that. There's so much of me that wishes I had more of what she's got. Part of that is I look at her and think, you know, she is someone that completed a PhD and I really hear that in her. I did not complete a PhD. And so what I hear in her is a lot of what I feel like I lack, just being honest. And it's refreshing. It's refreshing to have guests come on this podcast that have gifts and skills and just attributes that I don't have. I get to learn a lot and hearing her perspective is incredibly valuable to me. I take away a lot. I feel like it's this continuing education course for me. Thank You Heartbreak is really a continuing education course for me. So I have to give it to guests like Kara that really school me in their own way. And it just is so necessary. And I feel very, very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. Kara and I speak about so much. She is a self-defined, chronically single woman. It's been five years since her last relationship. And she speaks to me about within these five years, what single has meant for her. Because I think that we all, um, we think of singleness in a different way. And it means something different for us. Kara has a different experience of it than I do. For me, singleness is going to sleep with no options on your mind. And really not dating around. So I see... I see it all in tears. So there's singleness, dating, then there's in a relationship. That's the most basic way I could put it. 
And Kara has a different way of looking at it. She has had a different experience with it. I'm not going to give it away. You guys can just listen to it. But it's really interesting to hear how she went from this people pleaser or someone that a lot in her life was using relationships and how other people saw and defined her and how they validated her for self-worth and value and really direction. And she pivoted drastically and now is someone that's been able to be single in her own way for five years and not having to put a label on the relationships she has with others. So I think that hearing her story will be really valuable for people that find themselves chasing relationships because they're chasing self-definition really. You know, you are this person's girlfriend, you are this person's boyfriend, and what does that say about you? And then when you get rid of that, who are you really? Beyond that, she is someone that has a very creative and logical brain. And you're gonna hear about her take on how sometimes we really rush decisions. We lead with so much emotion and the value of really making decisions over time. Even making a decision whether to break up over time and the ability to have these conversations with your partner is a form of loyalty. And it really forces you in a sense to not always look for short-term satisfaction, but thinking of long-term impact. Really, when you think about the things you're gonna say, the things you aren't going to do in relation to other people, sometimes we decide not to do certain things or we say certain things because short-term, it's a lot easier, but it brings such value to our life and as a character to really think not just of ourselves, but of others in the long-term impact that saying or not saying or doing or not doing something will have on someone else's life. If you've ever felt like you aren't moving fast enough, and whether it's that you're not moving fast enough in your career or just in your peace of mind, in finding a new relationship of overcoming a breakup, Kara's the perfect person to listen to because she has been surrounded by stories just like we all have, friends that are in constant fear of that, of that they're not moving fast enough or within yourself. And she's someone that has overcome that. What's also interesting is that she's a triplet. So it's very easy in situations like that when you are the same age as your siblings to be constantly you know, comparing where you are compared to someone that is your same age that came into the world at the same time as you. Overall, I just love the conversation that I have with her. I'm excited for you guys to hear it and I'm excited to be back. Of course, if you think that you'd be a good guest to have on Thank You Heartbreak, I wanna hear from you. So again, reach out to me at chelseaatbreakupward.com or just shoot me a message on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak. All right, guys, thanks for spending your hour with us. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience. Great. First of all, really happy to be on the podcast. A quick introduction. My name is Kara. I have a PhD in industrial organizational psychology. A lot of people think that means I'm a therapist, but it doesn't. IO psychology is actually the study of human behavior in the workplace. So looking into human behavior, how to motivate people, how to make people productive in the workplace, but also to expanding my focus to holistic wellness, which is what my dissertation was focused on. So currently as a professional, I'm a human resources professional by day and a wellness entrepreneur by night and mornings and weekends are really in my free time as like a passion project. Mm -hmm. 
So I've used my background in psychology to begin building a community online called Wise and Well Academy, which is a healthy lifestyle blog and online hub for wellness courses, psychology-backed resources to help as many people as possible live happier, healthier, and more productive lives. And that's really my elevator pitch in a nutshell. The elevator pitch. I wonder what floor we got to. I think we went to 31. 31? Okay. Perfect. At least it's not 13. Um, (laughs) So IO is like all the rage. I mean, that's where really people are focusing in on nowadays. I mean, it makes sense because the work world is changing and people just want (laughs) bots that are so productive. So I'm curious about all of this. And I think that companies are finally understanding that human element of the workforce and understanding that in order to get the most out of people, you have to view people as human and humans have needs and desires and individual motivations that can't just be satisfied with unblanket approach. Mm-hmm. So are you talking to the employees mainly or the like CEOs, the person running the business? It's balancing both, right? So I'm kind of that person who services the business and helps the business reach its overall strategy, but making sure that employees have their needs met as well. So it's kind of like HR on steroids, right? Mm. It's not just the conventional like, oh, you have to, you know, align to this process. Um, Here's the program or the policy. It's about kind of going beneath those programs or policies that organizations put into place and making sure that they actually align to humans' wants and needs and how we think and behave and act mm-hmm. as well. I went into a PhD program and I did not last longer than a year. <laughs> so this is a big accomplishment. I want to know Thank how you... you took care of yourself and how you just kept the engine running throughout it all? Sure. I'm not going to say it's easy. I think that I reached a point in the program, um, a point of burnout and exhaustion because I wasn't taking care of myself. But you know, after you run yourself into the ground, you, you learn a little bit more about your needs and preferences when it comes to balancing work and school and friends and managing your energy throughout it all. So I'm not sure if you've heard about the theory of managing energy versus managing time. Oh my God. Tell I think it's me. kind of a trendy because topic I, no, as well. <laughs> time has always felt like it's against me. It's like a noose. And then at the same time, I feel right. so much shame around the level of energy I have. So please right. do this for me. What is the difference? So, I'm, I mean, I'm a big advocate of managing energy. And I think when it comes to managing energy, you have your unique preferences, you have things that energize you. So whether running a podcast and interviewing people energizes you um, versus like crunching numbers from like a business or bookkeeping perspective, which might take energy away from you. It's all about filling your day with as many energizing things as possible while putting in those little things that are necessary to do, but don't necessarily give you that energy and making sure there's a balance every day. So you're not completely exhausting yourself on one day Mm. and then energizing yourself on the next. I feel like I'm most balanced when I have a mix of both things and I can keep myself motivated on one goal, knowing that I have something that's truly energizing to look forward to each and every day. 
Right. So some people think that like me listening to people talk about their heartbreak all day long must like literally make me want to crawl, <laughs> like kill myself basically. I'm like, no, I swear. Right. It's so energizing. And, and that's for me, you know, I feel really close to people really quickly. That really, that does bring my energy up. What is something for you that you think maybe other people might be surprised that, okay, for them that might like seem like suffering, but for you that actually lifts up your spirit? That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I think in general, and this isn't something that I think people would view as a task that's insufferable, but I think understanding people's problems, which is very, very similar to talking through heartbreak, right? Right, totally. I think with a psychology background, it's really, really interesting to see how different people process the same events. Mm. and react to the same events, especially negative events, and helping people understand their feelings, understand their thoughts, and understand how to productively channel, especially negative emotions, Mm. towards a more positive and productive outcome, which is really, really difficult for people to address on their own sometimes. No, you should be like working alongside of me. I have another chair right next to me. This is like, you're exactly, this is exactly it. One, I was always so attracted to this idea because I have a twin sister. So for both of us, I mean, we grew up, you know, in front of the same thing and yet we process right. them. They mean something different. I also realized, I don't know how old I was at the time, maybe, maybe 29, where it hit me that, well, one, work is choosing what type of problems you want to deal with every day. And then love in a certain sense is dealing with what type of problems you want to hear about all day long. Mm -hmm. It just is interesting when you start to think about, well, basically it's like, what problems would you want to hear about and would not make you uh, be resentful? Right. Well, and it's interesting too, I think the whole nature versus nurture aspect, because I'm a triplet. Are you really? I am. I'm a triplet. And what's really, truly interesting is I have a brother and a sister Mm -hmm. and we're on just separate spaces in this one continuum, personality wise, appearance wise, preference wise. So even though we grew up in the same household, we're all in completely different careers. My brother's a lawyer. My sister is more of the creative social media artsy type. And I'm kind of this middle mix of like the creative brain and the really logical brain overall. But even though we grew up, you know, with the same parents and the same environment, we had these little things inside us that caused us to choose very, very different professions, but also to to act in very, very different ways as well. Mm -hmm. Did you see the film Three Identical Strangers? No. Oh my God. Are you serious? Do you know about it? No. Oh my God. It's a documentary that came out during the summer and it's about these triplets that had been separated at birth through like this New York fostering center and they didn't know about each other. And what they discover throughout this film is that it was done intentionally to see the difference between nature versus nurture. And it was basically being manipulated and just, wow. the, yeah, like the sadness for people like triplets that these doctors or these psychologists would have been going to one house after the other without telling them that they had mm-hmm. a brother or sister. And um, it turned out that there was triplets all over the place that had this done to them. These triplets found each other and then gained all this attention. They went on all these talk shows. They opened up this restaurant in New York together. They got all this fame. And then when one of them dropped out of the business, what ended up happening to them? It's, you have to see it. 
You're going to love it. I'm definitely going to see it. Also, that kind of study would never pass IRB today. I don't think it'd ever be approved, but it's so interesting. No, it was so bad. I mean, that was the thing because then you yeah. see the researchers and the almost ruthlessness of them. Mm-hmm. They've literally locked up the files so the files won't be released. The whole thing is like, why? How far were they manipulating people? What is being hidden within this study? Right. Yeah, you're right. It would never get passed today. For good reason, but... Speaking of that, I'm just curious. I mean, how is it different between your brother and sister and you in terms of what you look for romantically? Are you different within relationships and what you want? When it comes to relationships, I think there are so many variables that come into play. And I think that oftentimes, at least this is my opinion, the most successful relationship hinge upon finding someone who values the same things Mm -hmm. as you do. So my brother, he's been in a long-term relationship Um, with another lawyer. They're in the same profession. They have a lot of the same interests, but they're individual enough to keep things interesting. And I think that's why his relationship has been successful. I've been the um, chronically single individual. Mm. So since my last major relationship about five years ago, Mm. I've been kind of on this soul searching I guess, ultra productive uh, world of my own. So I think that, um, you know, when it comes, when I find someone who, again, like values the same things that I do, I think that's when I'll find that person who I'm, I'm meant to. That's when you'll leave. Be in a relationship with. Yeah. So yeah. talk to me about what and, single means to you. Oh, sorry. Tell me about your sister. But then I have to, now that I know that you've been chronically single, I'm just so curious. I don't want to, sorry to cut you <laughs> off. We won't go there yet. No, no. I think my sister, it's the same story, right? Um, She just got out of a long-term relationship. And I think, again, it hinges on when you're not aligned with someone's values, it's hard to really connect meaningfully in a really long-term sustainable way. I totally agree. How is it that people, I don't know, I'm not sure people lead with the whole values, And I'm not sure why. It's almost like people, I mean, apps are designed this way, not that I've really been on them, but from what I hear, that it starts with what your interests are. And I feel like people start with interests rather than values. Right. I think that sometimes people don't know what their values are. And sometimes people haven't yet developed that self-awareness or taken the time to actually pause and introspect and ask what's truly important to me or what's my purpose. Because interests and values, although they're related, they're not the same thing, right? Values go a little bit deeper into like, how do I live my life? How do I want to treat people? And how do I want to be treated? What am I passionate about? What do I think my purpose is? I think it's, you know, the lens through which you see the world. How do you want to represent yourself in the world? Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting, though, because it keeps on getting brought up about people that ended up married, but they never thought to themselves, what is it that I want? Or how is it that I want to be loved? It seems like, how is that not something that we think about? And yet so many of us don't. How is this not the question? How does it not start with that question before you fall into a relationship? I think that sometimes there's this expectation around the timeline that society, I think, has created, the normal timeline of things in terms of finding someone to date, getting engaged, getting married, having kids, buying a house, etc. I think that sometimes people are so rushed mm-hmm. to run through that timeline that they forget to ask those important questions. 
I think particularly I can think of a handful of girlfriends. You know, you talk about love and life and your goals and where you're at and your insecurities. And time and time again, I've heard worries about, you know, I'm not moving fast enough. I haven't found someone yet. And I think it's okay if you haven't found someone by the time you're 25 or 30 or 35, because I think it's more important to find the right person mm-hmm. and to find yourself than to rush into a relationship that isn't right for you. As important as family and children, like I could never, it seems extreme, but I would have a hard time not forgiving myself, but accepting the reality if I didn't have those things. And someone asked me recently, so would you do it on your own? Like, what? Do it on my own? No, I mean, (laughs) that's not what I would imagine for myself. But as important as all that is, and as much as I have have felt like time is running down in terms of where am I, what am I doing, in terms of like career-wise, how I feel about myself, how I'm going about my days, how I'm showing up in the world, I haven't thought about I need to rush into the person that I'm going to marry. And it's strange. And I don't know if I'm going to get to a place where, oh my God, though I was prioritizing love and the lessons from love, I didn't prioritize enough early on of the right people that might bring me closer to the ideal candidate for marriage, you know? Right. Well, I think each person that you date or you have a relationship with, whatever label you use, you have a fling with, I think each person teaches you a little bit about yourself. And you have those unique interactions. Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. But every single person you connect with teaches you about what you value or what you enjoy or different preferences that you have or different things that frustrate you that you want to make sure you avoid in the future. So I, in my opinion, although I've been, you know, the chronically single part of my family (laughs) for so long, I've also been the person who I feel like has been able to have more of those interactions and hopefully feel confident eventually that those experiences have helped me understand who I'm looking for or what type of relationship I'm looking for in the future. Absolutely. I have a question. Have you ever felt like you've stopped and thought, okay, the people that I date have made me pivot in certain directions, right? They've made me see what I need, what I'm actually compatible with, all these things. Have you ever thought about how maybe you've made someone pivot and what it is about you that maybe they discovered that they pivoted toward or away from? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I wish I knew the answer. I wish I could understand my impacts on on people. And I haven't necessarily um, stayed connected to a lot of the people who were previously in my life. Uh, I I don't think there's anything wrong with being friends with exes. It's just not how it's happened with me. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to, you know, everyone Facebook stalks once in a while. So you get a sense of where people are at. But I don't think I've gotten a sense of like, have I actually impacted someone and and caused them to pivot in any one direction? You know what's going to happen with this podcast? This is the goal. I'm putting it out there. (laughs) I want to start calling up exes, Uh, your exes, my exes. Anyway, we got to get these people on the line and we need an answer. (laughs) 
we need to know. I mean, it, that's it. Like, what was the impact? I mean, so many people, like, they talk right. about the heartbreak, you know, this is how this person broke my heart, but that's impactful. Like, what was the silver lining from them? You know how, like, you say an ex's name and you see something immediately, and sometimes it's you see a right. moment, or you see, you hear something that they've said that they might not remember ever saying, like, I wonder what it is that, and this, maybe this is so narcissistic, but what comes to mind when someone hears my name or your name or what, do, what right. is that you've said that had Like, what was impact? my impact? Yes. Ugh. Oh, no, I totally agree. Yes. Uh, have you ever heard of, like, um, I think they're called the landmark, the landmark, um, like, sessions? Oh my God. Yes. It, Have you heard of those? And like it, a part of like the healing process for people to understand themselves and move on. I'm not necessarily sure how aligned I am with like all the landmark like theories and, and what they do. But one important piece is calling people from your past mm. and either apologizing or asking for clarification or things related to your relationship or your impact on another person. And so like people find it so powerful, even if it's just like a quick two minute apology or like two minute acknowledgement of something that happened in the past to call up people who they haven't talked to in years and to say something. And it, whether it's closure or some sort of self-realization, it's just acknowledging your past and knowing that that person had an impact or you had an impact on that person who you're connecting with. Mm, I so believe in it. I so believe yeah. in it. I've been doing so much of it too. I've seen like almost every ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I swear to God, since this podcast started, I was always about it. Somehow it's been like one after the other. It's you know, there's one ex that I haven't spoken to since we broke up and I ended up reaching out to his mom though for Christmas. And, uh, <laughs> and I said something like, uh, you know, they live in Quebec. And I went by this ex okay. she had this house in Florida near my sister. And I said, hey, you know, I was wondering if you were down here. Long story short, she ended up saying, I was with your ex, my son, and for Christmas, and we were talking about you. And she told me what they said. And I just thought to myself, oh my God, has he not read every article that I've written about him? I need to soften up, you know, like, wow, <laughs> like to think that they could be saying anything about me. And it could be still right. loving. It made me kind of rethink. And for so long, I, I wrote about him. I said that he was the reason for me to become a breakup coach. And maybe it's just kind of like settling down a bit to be able just right. to look back with, you know, I mean, wow, what an impactful person that look, look what he's done, you know? It was an interesting moment where I realized, God, if, if he could say he loves me still, um, maybe I've been a little bit harsh. <laughs> Well, I think it's really interesting. We place a lot of, um, I guess, importance in how we perceive or how we think others perceive us. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes we make incorrect assumptions. Right. And so it's really important to understand that like communication or empathy and understanding and perspective taking is extremely important in life, whether it's a current relationship or a past relationship. I think that we oftentimes don't take enough time to actually understand how others might feel as opposed to mm. understanding how we think others might feel. Mm. It's such a good it's such a good point. And I, I think that's probably where the closure or even just the ability to say thank you comes in is when you're mm. able to stop kind of fighting for your voice or your perspective or you know your take to be heard and addressed and somehow 
think about uh, where they might be in relation to all of this. Right. And the thing is, not everyone will always tell you. Have you ever been with someone where you just weren't able to gain access to where they stood with things? Um, I think it depends on like the, the duo or the pair mm-hmm. in terms of communication. Um, everyone has their own communication style, right? I tend to be direct. I give constructive feedback <laughs> and I air expect quotes. others to give yeah. me feedback. Yeah. Constructive. Yeah. <laughs> air quotes. Um, but I hope it's like it's well intentioned. It's valuable. And I think about what I'm going to say, but I'm not a person to, uh, hide my feelings and just kind of right. step into the background. And I've always been very upfront with that type of communication, expecting the same from the people that I'm with. Um, so I think in in most of my past relationships, there have been rocky points, right? There have been points of miscommunication. Things aren't said, things are said wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, I think you you flex and adapt and hopefully you're aware of your own communication style and your flaws and your strengths. And that helps you understand how to like interact and how to, how to know where you stand with other people as well, Mm. which is really important in the workplace as well. (laughs) God, I can imagine though. I know less about that because I've just been working by myself for so long. (laughs) That changes a lot of things. Uh, So tell me about, you called yourself, what was it, chronically? Is that what, was that the word? Chronically single, single yeah. Okay, so what does single look like and mean to you? I think single to me means lacking a label, right? Mm-hmm. So I've dated, I've interacted, I've made meaningful relationships and memories with people. But for the past five years, I haven't felt the need to define any one relationship or create specific expectations with a person or um, make like a a possessive Mm. date. So these past five years for me, after that breakup created, you know, a mission in myself to understand what do I want to do? What am I not doing now that I should be doing? How can I stretch myself? How can I build my life and career and individual happiness without necessarily having to rely on others to feel accepted or validated, which I, I think, you know, in my in my younger years was always a crutch for me. Mm. I was always finding ways to, I guess, either compare myself or gain worth through others, if that makes any sense. And I think over time, especially not creating relationships that, you know, allowed me to make those comparisons, Mm. helped me understand that like there are certain things or achievements or values that I can align myself with that can ensure that my happiness is dependent on myself. Okay. So throw an example out there. What are we looking at? So I think this is a good example. When I was partnered with my ex. One thing he was really worried about was the fact that I could potentially move away for grad school. 
Right. And his opinion really mattered to me. I was a people pleaser. I was a person who didn't want to let people down or offend people or hurt people. And this shouldn't have been a question for me. I wanted to go to grad school. I wanted to get my master's degree. I later figured out that I wanted to go get my PhD as well. But I questioned, should I do it? Should I move away? Should I continue education? Should I just find a job and settle down? And I'm glad that I took the time to actually think about what I truly wanted. And the breakup, in a way, helped me confirm that I shouldn't be basing important life decisions Mm. on others. I should be basing it on my goals, my values, my passions, the directions that I feel like I should be heading, because those directions can always change in time as you grow and you learn, right? And you have different experiences that you know, help you pivot or refine your purpose or strategy or goals in life. But I think that, you know, when I was chronically not single, when I was in a long-term relationship after long-term relationship, I always thought more so or prioritize more highly, what does the other person want? Or how can I make the other person happy? And I, I think it's really like, you have to be selfish at mm. some point in your life. And you have to think about like, what's best for me? such a uh, scary word or, you know, people do not want to claim that they're selfish, especially in relationships. And yet it seems like the only way to honor and be honestly in love is to be able to choose selfishness at times. I think being selfish at points is important, but I think that, you know, there's also compromise. So When I think about being selfish, I think about asking myself what's most important to me or what's my highest priority. And there might be two competing priorities. So one priority might be, you know, grabbing a job that requires that you move across the country or traveling somewhere for grad school. And another equally as important competing priority might be nurturing a relationship with someone Mm-hmm. And when you find those competing priorities, then you find a way to make it work and compromise if both are truly important to you. Right. I think maybe the heartbreak becomes that there is a way of doing it probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes there's not. Like sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. And then that's a really, really difficult phase or decision where you're weighing like what's most important to me, but also to what's most likely to be a positive move for myself down the line. It's not always the short-term satisfaction. Yes. Sometimes it's, it's thinking about like the long-term impact as well. Yes. What do you think made you capable of making, for example, the choice to go to the masters? What inside of you said, stop people pleasing? I think it was a mixture of internal cues and external circumstances. So internally, just the drive to do more and to learn more and, you know, an increasing curiosity of, you know, I've, I've gotten my undergrad degree. I feel like I'm meant for more. Mm-hmm. And externally, I think the downfall or the downslope of the relationship and how uncomfortable and how full of self-doubt it led me to feel um, pushed me away and towards that selfish decision or selfish series of decisions. Maybe selfish isn't 
isn't the right term. Maybe it's more like self-focused, right? Mm, I like that. Um, as opposed, yeah, as opposed to just being this selfish person. <laughs> I, I, I really think that when you think about making decisions in life, there's always multiple factors. There's always emotions and thoughts and self-narratives that you're managing inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then there's those external variables like, you know, support from your friends or family um, or criticism from your friends and family or financial means or location or opportunities that spring up that might not, you know, come across your plate anytime soon or again. And you have to weigh all of those different factors and just be logical. So a lot of people mm-hmm. act emotionally and I think emotion has its place in making decisions. Like you'll never make a decision that's completely devoid of emotion, but sometimes people don't wait long enough to process emotions before impulsively acting, right? Mm-hmm. So they might think like, okay, I have this decision. I either had to break up with this person now or like, we'll never break up. This is it, Right. Whereas you can make a decision over time and you can think about things and you can talk about your decisions and where you're at with that other person as well. Right. So it's not always just your decision. I feel like sometimes people are afraid to bring that up because totally. when they mention the potential end of a relationship, then they're sort of like how the person might react or the person might see them differently. When in reality, it, it should be at times joint problem solving. Mm, absolutely voicing problem or what you're grappling with by exposing that I think that people feel like someone else is going to internalize that and it's going to be the beginning of the end on them mm-hmm. you know they're going to have to pay mm-hmm. the price for it but then on the flip side is people that say nothing and then arrive you know six months later with a decision and someone's like wait this came out of the blue you never let me know that you were thinking about this and it feels like right. a trail that's the hardest thing to deal with when someone's been thinking about something, you're processing something and not cluing you in and they make a decision without ever including you or warning you or giving you that head start to begin processing, you know, the final outcome on your end as well. Can I give you an example of this? Yes. The guy that I was talking about in Montreal, I will never forget, you know, he wanted to go to India together. It was something that we always spoke about and heading into our second year second and a half year or something of dating. And I see that he's not flying out to see me as much. He can't, he can't come for some reason, you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. have the money to do it, all that. I find out maybe nine months later, it's the summer, that he's actually been taking all that money and he said stacking it up to go to India by himself. And so he tells me this almost right before he's going to be going on that trip. I will never forget losing my mind. I I mean, I was never, I was not in a good place at all, but it was literally the devastation of feeling like someone is not choosing to come. There's a choice or something happening Mm -hmm. and someone's not telling, and then you're completely excluded. And the other narrative is someone wants to do this alone. And mm-hmm. that was such an example to me of, you know, what would it have been like if he had been able to tell me early on that this was a trip I wanted to take with you, but for myself, you know, I have to do this journey by myself. It was a really hard thing to come back from. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it, it's hard because I empathize. Sometimes you don't know how to phrase something. You don't know how to tell someone, mm-hmm. you know, something or give them bad news. but. 
again, I think it comes back to like the short term versus long term. Mm-hmm. This time in regards to discomfort, is it worth like the long term, like really big impact, negative impact it might have on someone? Or can you handle that short term, like really brief moment of discomfort by just talking from the get go about something that's frustrating or something that, you know, you want to do on your own or mm-hmm. something that's tough to to talk about. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think people let fear kind of rule them. 100%. Did you feel like when you've been single that people have ever come to you and kind of put on these narratives to you that were kind of fear-based, like maybe trying to rush you into another relationship that ever happened with friends or, you know, them saying, hey, why aren't you in a relationship yet? Why aren't you defining this relationship? Where is this headed? Sure. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that um, people make assumptions and there are stereotypes around women wanting relationships, right? And interestingly enough, those stereotypes I think have been challenged in the last couple of years, whereas I'm perfectly happy having casual interactions um, or dating and not creating labels, like I had mentioned, not making things official. And I've had a handful of instances where guys aren't comfortable with that. Wow. And I I think it's interesting because people always assume that it goes the opposite direction in in which girls are really rushing to Mm -hmm. create that relationship and make it Facebook official and have that like commitment. And guys have questioned me like, why, why don't you want this? Is there something wrong with me? (laughs) Am I not good enough? Am I not masculine enough? Whatever. (laughs) And it's, Interesting because like at the time you talk about it and you just clarify like, okay, I'm just not searching for that right now. And sometimes there was this one person specifically who could not wrap his mind around the fact that like I didn't want to like date him exclusively. And I mean, eventually that interaction, that relationship, whatever you want to call it, it disintegrated based on the fact that like we wanted different things. He wanted a relationship. He couldn't understand, you know, why I wasn't on the same page Again, when you're not on the same page, when you're not in the same path as someone, then it's okay to walk separate ways. And it was fun. Um, I hope he learned, you know, a little bit about communication and understanding that people don't always have, you know, similar priorities. But, you know, I, I take it as a lesson. Every single person that, you know, I meet is a lesson. Mm. I love that you've seen this side of it because I see a certain side as well working with men. So I received this letter today, this e-coaching, and it was one of those situations where this woman's back and forth. It's the same story every single time. And it's a story that you always hear women talking about, about how a man is indecisive with them and then they're heartbroken and Mm -hmm. why does he want me one moment? Well, I hear the story all the time coming from men. And it's so similar. They're not able to wrap their head around, why am I the one that's chasing? Why am I the one that's confused? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it goes back to like people thinking that love and a connection is going to be enough to change someone's mind and their life course or where they're at. But a lot of people come into something and they're on a certain path. And the worst thing that you can do is try to rush them or yank them to where you are. So with someone that's strong, self-aware, that's, you know, been through things, there's going to be a resistance to be being pulled off course or trying to be talked into something else. But for someone else that doesn't understand that, it's always going to feel very personal. What do you right. mean you don't want to be in a relationship with me? You know, like there's just, they're not going to get it. And I think the best thing that can happen in life is when it finally dawns on you that somehow 
it's not that I'm an inadequate person and that's why they don't want to be with me. It's because they're at a different place in their life. And in a way, there's maybe something cut off right now with them. They're just not looking for that part. They're not looking for that thing. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, especially in the, um, I guess in the Tinder age, mm-hmm. I'll term it that, um, I think you have to be really upfront with what you're searching for when mm. you meet someone, regardless of whether it's online, at a bar, at a work event, uh, wherever. I think that, you know, you have fun, you start talking to someone. I think pretty early on, it's just important to be clear about what you're searching for or what you're not searching for. Um, as opposed to waiting until someone develops an expectation or develops those feelings that could potentially end in miscommunication or heartbreak or, you know, just unintended consequences. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It is interesting about how you have to be so clear these days. Because I know a lot of people think that, um, you know, with Tinder, for example, is that people are on there looking to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And yet there are so many things that fall underneath that umbrella these days. Right. It's interesting, too, how people make assumptions based on the dating app that you're on, right? So like Tinder versus Bumble Bumble. or Bumble versus Hinge or or like like a throwback to (laughs) Match.com. You're like, no, I'm just like in a different pool right now. Like I just... Right. (laughs) You're like, I'm just canvassing all of them and I have my own intentions so you don't have to make assumptions based on the actual app. In five years, what have you seen kind of develop within you? The beginning of that five-year process, were you someone that was comfortable in solitude? Were you someone that was comfortable not being attached to a relationship? Have you seen a part of you, a skill or something, grow within you during these five years? That's a really good question. Um, I haven't always been comfortable in solitude. I think especially when you're young, um, like when you're a teenager, when you're growing up, even in your early 20s, you you learn about yourself through others in a way. Like I had mentioned before, I placed a lot of emphasis on gaining validation or feeling good about myself based on others' reactions or based on who I felt like accepted me or who was proud of me. So above and beyond romantic relationships, I think in general, when I was younger, I really thought about, okay, what am I doing to make my parents proud? Mm-hmm. What am I doing to get the attention of this guy or this person? And over time, especially as I've taken the time to invest in like self-reflection and introspection, it's more of understanding, like, what am I doing to make myself proud? What am I doing to make myself happy? And sometimes a part of happiness is obviously being accepted by others. We're as human social creatures. I think it's a fundamental need, but it shouldn't be your only need Mm. or it shouldn't be the only thing that you place value on. So over time, I just kind of understood like, hey, I'm passionate about health and wellness. So I'm going to use my research and I'm going to try to start this business and I'm going to try to minimize the fact that there's this little voice inside my head saying like, hey, people are going to think this way about you or people might not approve of this and really place the focus on, well, this is what I want to do because it is a passion of mine or this is what I want to do because it helps me stretch and grow myself and step outside of my comfort zone. So what are the things that I'm doing 
to grow myself or make myself happy as opposed to what are the things that I'm doing to, you know, do because I feel like I should. So I think this shift over these past five years has been shifting away from the shoulds and shifting towards the wants for me. Gosh, should is like the death. Oh, it is. If you're familiar with like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, like one of the cognitive distortions is the shoulds, right? So I'm doing this because society says I should or because my parents say I should or because my partner says I should. And if you don't stop and question why it's a should, then sometimes you act in automatic ways that are really harmful to yourself or that go against your values or that don't make you happy and you don't question it. You don't, you never change. Wow. That's such a good point. You know, the reality is so many people, so many of us are like sponges out there and we turn to mm-hmm. so many different people looking for the next step and what they would do, you know, we take on and we take that and you're right. Like we don't yeah. look at how that could affect us in the long term, and we don't even know why we're hurting because right. it's not something that we wanted to do. It's not something that we had to do, you mm-hmm. know. On that note, I mean, how would you say to someone that comes to you and says, you know, I'm going through this breakup and I just feel like I should be over it. I just don't want to think these thoughts anymore. I don't want to think about them anymore. What would you tell them to do? I think it depends on a lot of different variables. Um, Like how long has it been? Have they had the chance to process? Um, I think sometimes just listening to how people feel and Mm -hmm. being that shoulder to lean on helps people to talk and vent and process as they're venting. Right. And sometimes you you don't have specific advice, especially when it comes to breakups, because every breakup is different. Everyone can relate on some level. We've all been through some sort of breakup or end of a relationship. So there's always that common bond, but it's a unique situation. So sometimes the best thing to do is is listen and ask questions and help people stumble upon their own realizations. Yeah. And their own solutions. Right. So I'm always being asked, how do I accept what they're in and how to get over it right now? More and more, I'm just like, I don't think I got that answer for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, the answer is like healing isn't linear. It's this process where you loop between feeling productive and happy and feeling stuck in the past and sad and impacted in a negative way. And like throughout that whole kind of roller coaster of loops, you learn about yourself. I think it's kind of similar to diet. People always want that one quick fix. Like I want to lose 20 pounds in a week. And the reality is like, that's not possible. And if you do find that one like way, aka water fasting to like lose a bunch of weight in a week, it's not sustainable. And you're going to be right back where you were in like a week or two weeks, right? You're going to crash back. You're going to feel worse about yourself. Oh, God, so I, got a point. I always tell people like when they want to reach a goal and, you know, they're worried about their progress or their pace, mm-hmm. be kind to yourself and recognize that transforming, like truly transforming doesn't happen overnight. It's always a journey. So enjoy the journey and learn while you're on that journey. Yeah. My sister told me, Chelsea, you got to be careful. You got to make sure that <laughs> you're not like making this break upward thing sound like it's going to be one sh- you know, straight shot to the top. <laughs> you know, like, it's not. Yeah. yeah. She said that word. She's like, it's not linear. It's not just a straight arrow right. up. 
I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting how you can see it in other areas. You know, like I remember just pulling myself out of depression. Of course, you know, I wanted Mm -hmm. the reassurance that I wasn't going to fall backward. I know that at the time I wanted uh, the certainty that I was headed in the right direction. I wanted the quick fix, but there was a revelation that I was going to feel different at certain times, like that it was a slow Mm -hmm. process. And that really that I knew I would be in a better place when I wasn't focused on the progress, where I just found myself in a place and I realized it had been such a subtle shift. But then with something like heartbreak, it's like, because I think that there's someone else included in it that you're kind of maybe comparing yourself to or comparing yourself against. Mm -hmm. You forget that maybe you make allowances in other aspects of your life where you're looking for growth and it's like messy. But with a breakup, you kind of got to maybe, like you said, be kind so you can allow the subtleties to happen as well. Right. So what does it look like to break upward to you? Now that I just said that it shouldn't be a straight shot to the top. I think breaking upward to me means accepting and acknowledging all of the emotions that come with breaking up, both positive and negative, and also the opportunities that come with a major life shift, like a breakup or a split. I think in particularly, it's actually leveraging that opportunity to take time to self-reflect, to reassess, and to pivot sometimes because if you actually take that time and you you better understand yourself, you're able to, I think, channel your energy positively instead of weighing yourself down with self-pity and self-doubt and excessively thinking about or ruminating on the relationship. And don't get me wrong, it's completely natural and expected to have a different productivity or happiness. But the more quickly you realize that you're in control of your thoughts mm-hmm. and your behaviors, I think the more easily you can step up and be resilient and bounce to an even higher place in your life with that expanded awareness of yourself and your values and what you need. Mm, Expanded awareness. I like that. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the best thing that you've gotten from the dating world today? Mm. And by the dating world today, how do you define... I mean, okay, so on one end, you know, there's different opportunities to find people. There's, you know, there's not as the same stigmas attached, but there's also, like you were saying, that, you know, you can be a woman today and not be rushing to get into a relationship. You can be defining what it is. That also has changed. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's, I think it's just exploration. I think it's fun, really. When I felt like I needed to be in a relationship to like find self-value or self-worth. It was more about finding partners that I could keep and please Mm. as opposed to now it's more about like, how can I find people who make a meaningful impact on me, but who allow me to have fun and who allow me to de-stress from work and life. And, you know, like the, the stuff that I work on that I'm passionate about, but can also be super stressful. So I think it's helped me kind of switch on that that fun switch. That playful <laughs> that vibe. That yeah. Pl- dating has allowed you to turn on that playful vibe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like just rekindle it, right? Like when you're a kid uh-huh. and you don't have responsibilities, you're just thinking about like, what's the most pleasing? What's the best thing I could do? You know, what do I want to do on my Saturday that I don't have to do, that I, you know, don't need to do? And then you kind of lose that when you get out of college and get a job and you have a million and one responsibilities and a relationship can sometimes become one of those responsibilities unless you actually approach it from, you know, a a perspective of, hey, this is a fun thing. I'm making like 
memories and having, you know, meaningful interactions as opposed to just trying to please someone or, you know, behaving in ways that I think I should because this person wants me to. Yeah. Like turn it into a playground. I like that. I guess. I mean, it's something that I miss. I always felt that relationships brought out that playful side of me. I just felt like lighter, you know? I've gotten better at it, but there was this time in my life where I felt like, oh my God, when I'm by myself and it's just everything so heavy. It's like the weight of the world. It's like, I've got to get a man in my bed to like make anything light. <laughs> Thankfully, it's just like, I'm not just waiting to get some guy in my bed. Um, I've been able to integrate it somehow, but really there was this divide in my life. It was very clear. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like you have to find like the value and the fun and being alone because honestly, like there are going to be times where you're alone. And if you're a person who's always been with another like individual yeah. or even like a person who's been in a committed relationship, but like you spend 24-7 with another individual, like it's really, really hard to understand like what do I like to do and what are my hobbies or like what should I work on when I'm not with another person? <laughs> like how do I not dread the fact that there's no one else around? You know, living alone has helped me tremendously with that. I wasn't always good at living alone, but I mean, I say that I would never want someone to be like a fly on my wall, like ever. Like it would look very (laughs) strange. But then like, you know, two days ago, I was like on the the corner of my bed and I was like, for the first time, like, you know, I have like this face routine, you know, you know, I actually put some (laughs) serums on my face. You know, I'm 31 years old. I figured mine mine as well. And I caught myself in the mirror applying the serum and I go, how fun. Uh, I guess so they call it take care of yourself. I go, one day there will be a baby at my breast or there will be someone like, it won't feel as, I won't, maybe I won't be able to be as dorky or, or something. Like it won't maybe right. be as simple. It's like, I think that we get so caught in thinking that this is going to be forever, whether it's feeling depressed mm-hmm. or feeling this heat of passion, whatever it is, or feeling like life is kind of banal. We think it's going to be forever. And if we could just have a little bit more faith that this is just a slice of something towards something greater, I think maybe we could just ease into the moments that we're in and give it our best shot. Yeah. I mean, I I think life is about treating each moment or each thing as if it's the first time you've experienced Mm -hmm. it. And, And when you think of about mindfulness, one of the core tenets is, you know, having that childlike curiosity an approach, um, like the beginner's mindset, right? And I think we can become so absorbed in routine that we live life on autopilot. I think especially that happens in relationships. So if you can think about like, oh, why do I enjoy this? Why do I like being alone? Why do I like being with this person? Why is this moment right now so unique and cool mm-hmm. or entertaining or happy Or even if it's not a happy emotion, if it's sad, like how can you sit and acknowledge and accept as opposed to like trying to mask what you're feeling because what you're feeling is life, right? And in order to make the most of it, you have to embrace the ups and the downs. You have to live in the moment. Mm. How are you 25 years old? You are 25, right? Yeah, I'm 25. (laughs) How? I'm an old soul. (laughs) Isn't that great? Don't you love saying that? Don't you love someone being like, you're just, like, it's like the best compliment. Oh, I do. <laughs> but like your voice is so steady. Like, dude, I was at the other night. Okay. So this weekend there's this 
this kid, I almost said kid, I think he was turning 25 and I went to his soiree and I, it was like, I wrote my sister. I was like, dude, it takes a certain kind of independence and strength to be 31 years old at a 25 year old's birthday party with 21 year olds. You gotta own that because you are on the outside looking in. Funny because I feel like I've been in so many situations, especially in the workplace, uh, Again, stereotypes, right? Life is like a series of stereotypes Mm -hmm. where people make assumptions about my age. But I think it's all about like how you process things, but also to like how you grew up. Mm -hmm. And my dad, when we were born, my brother and my sister, he was 54. Was he? And so he was 54 with newborn triplets. And people feel bad for him, but... (sighs) First of all, I think we've kept him young. And second of all, I think that he's helped us understand like just a huge like range of perspectives and just having like such a different generation. My mom and my dad, there's a big age gap. I don't know if you have experience with age gap relationships, but my mom is 20 something years younger than my dad. So like we had different influences in terms of like the different generations yeah. of parents raising us. And so we've gotten like such, I think, a a rich like range of influences that have helped shaped us. And I think it's just really, I think it's a a really big influence, your parents, especially when you're growing up. I love this. Um, This would be a great blurb for parents that are older. Don't feel bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 54 years old. I always felt like I had the oldest father. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I mean, like, there's always you go to like Olive Garden or some you uh-huh. know friendly restaurant, and the waitress is like, "Oh, is this your grandfather?" No, it's not. You're like, I'm gonna kill. You're like, don't ever say that again. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, how old is your dad now? My dad just turned seventy nine in October. Yeah. Dude, we got to keep in touch because I feel like I have the oldest father amongst my friends. I'm like, no one understands how scared I am. <laughs> I know. They just don't get it. And then there's that bond whenever you find another person with an old dad because they yeah, know. Like they have the quirks. You have the same stories. I was talking last night to someone about, oh, you know, my dad, you know, I think he's, I'm, I'm just nervous. He's so fragile. I think he, he's transitioning possibly out of his career. He never thought he'd be in this moment. They might sell the house. And it was just like a blank face. Like, okay, and? I'm like, he's fragile. Like, don't you? Like, don't, doesn't understand like what you this. You don't get it. I'm like, do you know what this could do to me? Like, I don't get it. I'm like, me. And they're like, nah. Like, oh, I got to find someone that understands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess I have my twin I sister. I feel it. I get it. But <laughs> talking to my twin, then it just panics her, you know? Oh, yeah. She's like, I just don't know if I can go on without my father in the world. Ugh. I think about that way too much. Do you? It's, it's the one thing about having an old dad where you kind of compare and you're like, well, I'm not going to have my dad as long as everyone else. And then it's that like super selfish moment. When you're like, well, I can't really control this, but I still feel really badly about this right now. Yeah, I know. I know. I think about like, you know, my wedding and or like, you know, the idea that mm-hmm. my kids wouldn't meet him. And I'm like, what if, I mean, I don't really think that this, but there are these moments like, what have I done that I would, that I'd be in the position where my children might not meet my father. Right. But at the same time, you know, they would never have wanted me to rush either to just be with someone just so they could could meet my husband or so we could have kids, you know? Right. Well, and it's also something that I feel like, you know, parents 
think about. And my dad, he specifically told me like, don't get married, don't have kids on my account. Really? You can tell them all about me, but I want you to have, have the right person or meet mm-hmm. the right person. And I'm like, but, but, but dad. Oh, no. Don't go. I record that just say that like I need my sister like we need to start recording everything that he does I'm like oh my god please <laughs> oh snapchat is my best friend we save all the snapchats of my dad my mostly god. because he's ridiculous but yes that's the best word wise and ridiculous <laughs> yeah are your parents still together they are still together they've made it through so they they've made it to the empty nest stage and I think they're just really hoping that someone comes back to live with them because we kept them young, I think. Wait for it. When I went and got my master's, <laughs> so I, I remember my parents sending me like a picture of them. I'm like, oh my God, they've aged. It's like, I think maybe they finally start to age once I had been gone long enough. And I saw it. It was like terrifying. I was like, oh my God, I move across the country and now you have like wrinkles all over your hands. Like, oh my God. <laughs> You're like, I thought I was creating the gray hair, but I wasn't. No, my absence. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> this has been so fun. Thank you for all yeah, your insight. Absolutely. Tell my audience where they can find you. So you can find me on a number of different platforms. If anyone's interested in learning more about health and wellness and self-awareness and strategies, just help feel happier and more productive. I have a lifestyle blog at wisewellfree.com. Oh, wisewellfree. Yes. Ah, yeah. was it the th- three different ideas? Wise, well, free. Got it. Yes. Which all like blurs together when I say it really quickly. Yeah, I'm like, oh my God, is it a law firm? <laughs> I'm like, say it. Like, what? That's great though. I like that. Now that I yeah, got it's it. my brother's law firm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're also on Instagram. So I actually started this side hustle with my colleague. She's from Italy. So it's interesting to have different perspectives of health and wellness, like purpose and life in general from like a different cultural lens in Italy because I feel like America and other countries are different in terms of like priorities, right? So when you think about work specifically and how people balance their passions and their interests and their leisure time, America by far is like a culture that really drives that Puritan work ethic. Mm-hmm. So it's all about go, 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 get stuff done. Uh, maybe we're not going to take a gap year because it's really important to start working and get an internship. So there's also a perspective from Elenia in terms of like, how do you balance your purpose and your wellness and your lifestyle and your work, which I think is really, really unique and interesting as well. Absolutely. It's a great uh, lens that you're giving. Yeah. And I think that there are small things like obviously culture and where you live and your environment is super influential. But when you learn about other cultures and other ways of approaching life, you can take like the little tidbits that you like and you can try to integrate them to make them work for you and where you're currently at as well. So it's meeting yourself where you're at, Mm -hmm. just finding those little things or little tweaks or tips that you can apply to make your life a little easier. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you know, just where you're at. I'd be really, I'd be pretty fucking stoked if I was 25 where you are. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just the beginning of greatness. I hope so. We'll stay connected. Definitely. To swap dad's stories at least.
If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea. C-H-E-L-S-E-A at breakupward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D dot com. And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.